Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Welcome to The Basement, show number two. We made it. We've got tenure now. We have done two shows. Thank you for coming back to show number two. Show number one was a blast, and we're going to uh, repay you for coming back to show number two by giving you all sorts of good content. We got stuff today. We got to talk about Trey Lance because you can't go two seconds in sports media without talking about Trey Lance this week. We're going to talk about Mac Jones because no one is. We're also going to talk about the greatest, most beautiful, most majestic deaths in cinematic history, in which we owe Queen Latifah a producer credit for the show. Uh, also, important breaking news in Kyle Brandt's basement. If you did listen yesterday, Josh Allen said he watches movies uh, on the flight to his road games. He's got a long one, of course. He's going from Buffalo all the way to L.A. I think uh, I have it on good authority. The Bills are in the air right now. And we talked about Josh. We're going to do uh, a Josh Allen film festival this year. Every single Tuesday it comes on and we're going to review movies. He'd never seen the movie Heat. I'm talking about the De Niro, Pacino, who, who, what are you, a bleeping owl? Uh, you got your head all the way up it. He's never seen that. Um, and he's going to watch it on the flight to Los Angeles. So he told us, per sources, Josh Allen, quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, has downloaded the movie. He has got it. He is has ready to watch. He's probably watching it as I'm speaking right now. So we'll have his review on Heat when he comes back next week on Tuesday, potentially at 1-0. Uh, also, news nuggets, a rap sheet, everybody talking about. Our guy, uh, the New York Jets, Zach Wilson, is uh, not only not going to start the opener, his coach Robert Sala says he's going to be out like a month. They decided to sit him down for weeks, and Sala was a little strange about it. Sala said, listen, I don't really want to talk about this anymore, which is not Sala's usual MO, but for his mental health and his physical health, we're going to keep him out for four weeks. So it's the Flacco show in week one, which we kind of expected, but why does it feel like Zach Wilson is being benched or something like that? The way he threw in mental health, I don't know. That's a very loaded topic. But Zach Wilson, Jets fans, I'm sorry, is going to be out for a while. We are not. We're here every day as we start the football season. Give me my shot. All right, we're going to start the show with a shot. There it is. See the basketball hoop. Is it going to be in? Is it going to be not? Bum, 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 bum. Bow! Off the front iron. I'll make up for it. Guys, I always give you what I love, what I hate, and what is absolutely hilarious. Let's start it right now. Start the show. Um, I hate that I missed that shot. It was tracking beautifully. I, I, I think I, if, if we had replayability, I think I was goosenecking. It went off the front of the iron. I know the shot that I'm going to hit, though. The most important one. You know, we're going through, as we said, prediction week here in the NFL. And so you're, you're asked, if it's imagine if your job to go and to put food on your children's table by picking who's going to be the MVP. Imagine your livelihood was in a lot of ways dependent on that. Who do you take this year? So many tasty options. We got 31 flavors, really. You could take anybody. Obviously, our guy, you could take this guy who is, uh, who's watching Robert De Niro read a book about medals right now. We could go him, you could go Mahomes, you can go Herbert, you can go Rogers. Three. Where do you go? If you really thought about your credibility, do you go those guys? Or do you go Kirk Cousins of the Minnesota Bleep Vikings? I yes, I went Kirk Cousins as my MVP prediction. I, I went and I'm currently going right now. I'm telling you. Listening, watching. I think Kirk Cousins is going to win the MVP this year. And I'm not doing it as a shtick. I'm not about to issue with a punchline. I do it as a historian. I like to study this thing. I love the MVP. I think it's a fascinating reward or award for a lot of different reasons. Um, but you got to always pay attention. So, little history lesson. Every once in a while, the football gods give us a WTF MVP. Like, who? 
Who won the MVP? History lesson. 2002. All right. This is an era where Kurt Warner is ripping them off and Marshall Falk won one and Favre is there. And these these great quarterbacks, kind of like these holdovers from the 90s and new guys from the 2000s. A lot of different people would win the MVP. Peyton, of course. And the MVP that year was this old guy playing quarterback for the Raiders, Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon, who had been around and he had been on this team and that team and was respected and was good and everything. But like he was on nobody's MVP list before and nobody's MVP list after. The recurring thread here, and pay attention, I'm trying to teach you something. The right coach and the right weapons. Rich Gannon was on a Raiders team with a young, brilliant John Gruden running the offense. Jerry Rice, Tim Brown, it was a wrap. MVP, bam. Come forward with me now to 2016. Another guy who fits the profile perfectly. He was the Rich Gannon of his era. Still is. Matt Ryan, Falcons quarterback, respected, liked, really good. Not amazing, but really good. Again, someone, no one, no one was picking for MVP of the league. Not with Rodgers and Brady and all those maniacs. Matt Ryan. He gets the right coach. Kyle Shanahan running the offense. He gets the right weapons. Julio Jones and a million other guys who could score on that team. And Matt Ryan is MVP. He has not had a breath of MVP talk since then. My point is, every few years you get one of those, who, what? We got another one this year. Who has, in my opinion, the right coach and the right weapons? Kirk Cousins. I'm telling you, he has the best offensive huddle in the league. Bengals fans, I hear you. Chargers fans, I sort of hear you. But when Kirk Cousins steps into a huddle and he sees Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Irv Smith Jr., K.J. Osborne, and behind behind Dalvin Cook is Alexander Madison, who I think is the best number two running back in the league and plays a lot of good downs for them. That's the best offensive huddle you have. That's, there, nobody has a better talent group than that. I will still go toe-to-toe with Bengals fans, and I think the Vikings are better, mostly because I think Dalvin is better than Mixon. That's what he's walking into. Now he's got a new coach. Let me tell you something about the Vikings right now. We'll talk Vikings. Why the hell not? They open against the Packers this weekend. I was at the NFL draft back in April, all right? I made a lot of noise, screamed a lot of stuff. I was talking to someone with the league who is very, 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 very plugged in. Knows everything that was going on with the league. Like, everything. He said to me, this person, I have never seen a team need a new head coach more than the Minnesota Vikings needed a new head coach after this last year. Okay? He's talking about Mike Zimmer, who did some great things, but was a year, if not two years, stale. Players tuning him out, not getting uh, into modern times. The defense was terrible. The offense was suffering from the... They changed it. They brought in one of these like young McVay whiz kids, Kevin O'Connell, a guy who was going to go offense, who's going to open the things the hell up. I'm telling you, you could go with one of these AFC quarterbacks, and they'll probably be great. Kirk Cousins is going to put up numbers this year. And remember, MVP, you can steal this pick if you want. If you want to tell your, your friends, your parents, whoever, tell them Kirk Cousins. MVP, you got to have statistics, you got to have a storyline, and you don't have to have anything in the postseason. So for all you who are going to come back and say, Kirk Cousins can't win playoff games, who cares? It's Did you see Aaron Rodgers winning playoff games last year? No! He still won the MVP. The stats are going to be gaudy. The storyline is already there. The unlikely guy with the new head coach, he plays in a dome. Kirk Cousins. People are angry about this. You should see my replies. It's not just the usual stupid, what are you smoking and what are you drinking? People are like, I should have your job. You should be fired. Honestly, how did you... You know when you tweet something out and they say, quick, there's still time to delete this. It kind of cracks me up, actually. I'm not deleting it. I'm retweeting it. And so should you be. It'll freshen up your timeline and make it a little more intelligent. Kirk Cousins is going to win MVP. That's my pick. And I'd like to take this chance to apologize for making that pick to absolutely nobody. Give me what I hate. Let's go. I'm getting fired up.
All right, we got to talk. We got we have to talk about the Buffalo Bills. Surprise, surprise. Um, do you ever did you ever uh, buy a CD back in the day, or an MP3 in college, or stream something? It doesn't matter. Did you ever find some music that wasn't obscure, but it was a band or a group or a singer or a rapper that you know some people know about, but you really got behind them and you share their music on social media and you went to their concerts and everything. And that was really cool. And you, you know, you, you like them and you tell everybody who would listen, this, this person's so great. And then they release a new album or something happens. Maybe they become super famous or get a million, a hundred million Instagram followers. And then everybody's tweeting. Everybody's going to the concert. Everybody's putting the Spotify playlist. That's, that's, that's the Buffalo bills. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the point where, Look, the more the merrier in, in, the, in the Bills wagon, the, I hope everybody celebrates it. Is there anybody who's not celebrating it? Raise your hand if you are picking any one of the other 31 teams other than the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl. Is there anyone out there? Ultimate Warriors racing his hand. He's got, this, he's got the Buffalo Bills and he's dead. They're picking Buffalo Bills even if they're in heaven or hell. I'm not sure where the Warrior is. Probably a little bit of both. But everybody's picking the Bills. Peter King? Bill's Super Bowl. It's fine. P- Peter knows everything about football. You pick whatever you want. Um, on and on. Adam Shine, the great Adam Shine, my neighbor. Adam Shine lives of like I don't know a mile from where I'm standing right now in the basement. He's probably in his own basement. Picks the Buffalo Bills. That's fine. But this was the one that was incredible to me. So I work for the NFL Network, as you know. I'm an employee of the NFL. They did a special last night. It was a game day morning crew, and they were asked Super Bowl picks. They're saying. Who do you think is going to win it? Anybody. Chiefs, Chargers, Packers, Buccaneers. Take a look at how these picks went. These are my colleagues. These are people I know, work with. Start at the top. Rich Eisen. Been around for everything. Started the network. Knows all about it. Very plugged in. Bills. Steve Mariucci takes it from a coaching perspective. I, I play and I've coached this guy and I coached this guy. Bills. Kurt Warner. Hall of Famer. Won two MVPs. Played in three Super Bowls. Has a Super Bowl rank. Bills. Michael Irvin. Has three Super Bowl rings. Picks the Cowboys to win everything. Bills, all right? You're telling me we're going on four for four. Take your eyes down to Cynthia Freeland. Cynthia Freeland is very, very smart and comes from the analytics perspective. She's not going to go with the popular pick, right? Just because everyone's saying Bills. No, no, no. She found some numbers that says so-and-so teams get Bills. All right. Rachel Benetta sees the game from a different angle. Is beholden to no one. Is an original thinker. Likes a lot of different teams. Is usually one to go off the beaten path and is a very creative... Bills! Bills, 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 Bills. Every single person took the Bills? Do we know what my reaction is when I see this? And it has nothing to do with these people. It has nothing to do with Peter King or Adam Shine or me. I, when I see this, I'm like, oh, the Bills aren't going to win. Squat! The Bills are going to be 6-11 and 11 and be the biggest disappointment of, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the millennium. Not, not the year, not the decade. There's so many people taking the bills. How many people are going to buy this album? Do you know how good the AFC is this year? You really feel that strongly. Yes, they have the best quarterback. Probably. Maybe not. Yes, I think they have the best roster. Probably. Maybe not. Have you seen their cornerbacks? They might be in for a long night tomorrow night. Bills, bills, bills. I should be, I should be gracious as, you know, I'm, I'm hardly there from day one with the Buffalo Bills. I'm not going to say that I never have. I'm from Chicago. I tell Bills fans all the time. But I've been doing work for a few years. I, I don't deserve any flowers or anything or wings or anything. Like, we've been treading water in these waters, and they've been wavy and they're choppy for a long time. 
we were we were treading these Bills waters in the Josh Allen era, is what I mean. When they lost to the Chiefs in the title game, when they lost to the Chiefs in the divisional round, and now it's just everyone is buying the album. Um, so, look, I should be a gracious host to say, "Come on in, the water is warm." But I don't know. It, I, <laughs> It's kind of like uh, people are sitting at the same table with you at Benihana, like it's supposed to be communal and you're supposed to be friendly and you're supposed to say, oh, you're having your birthday, honey. Well, how old are you? Seven? Why? But you're also like, why do we have to sit with other people? <laughs> I'm just grumpy about it. I don't know. And, and also like when so many people think that thing is going to happen, it's not going to happen. I, I was comfortable when it was like a few Bills enthusiasts. Christine Baranski, Chris Berman, uh, William Fickner, Jeff Glor. Those are the people. I jumped in way after them. But now it's like everybody. Everybody is in the Bills. And I, I, I don't know. It, it, I don't think it bodes well for them. Let's see what people say Friday morning if they lose to the Rams, which I hope they don't because we have Josh Allen on every week. So I hate that. Probably shouldn't. Don't care. Still going to Cobra Kai kick the thing. Let's, uh, let's, as we do here, let's cleanse the palate. Let's just get into something, have a little laugh here in the basement. The basement is the place you go to crack beers and have laughs. Let's talk about what's hilarious. All right, are you burned out on fantasy football talk? Hand up. Yes. Um, even if it is about the Buffalo Bills, we're going to win the Super Bowl. No, uh, there's a great thing that I think has been pulled off. Uh, everything fantasy football has just been smashed by a, a, a mortar and pestle from chemistry class in high school into a disgusting, indecipherable, uh, gelatinous pulp. There's, there's very few fresh angles in fantasy. We, We've tried it all, everybody. All of us in, in the content business, all the sports media. Fantasy is a little bit of an eye roller, even though it's wildly popular and we all do it. So you got that. Then you got like um, movie quotes from your favorite sports movie, which is also like, man, there's been a lot of fruit picked off that tree. You name it, whatever one you want. But remember the Titans. Very good football movie. Incredible Denzel movie. A um, little much of the Hayden Panettiere for me, but you know, she was young and precocious and it's fine. I don't blame her for that. Um, that. That was almost a quick sidebar. I don't do it. I almost quick sidebarred Hayden Panettiere, but I saw her in the news recently, and she's into some recovery now, and she's exploring herself, so I'm supporting her. I'm not going to quick sidebar Hayden, Hayden Panettiere. I liked her in the movie, in the show Heroes. She was good. Anyway, you have fantasy, and you have quoting sports movies like Remember the Titans. Two terrible ingredients. They're not terrible. It's just, again, we've had them too much. It's it, We need some fresh flavors. And yet... We have a concoction that comes from those two products that I think is really delicious and really funny. Maybe you will too. Amon Ross St. Brown. That name mean anything to you? It should, especially if you're a fantasy player. Before we bring up the element, Amon Ross St. Brown, I have a, a nugget for him. He is the Detroit Lions wide receiver, and uh, he's been around now for a couple of years. He was featured on Hard Knocks a lot. He has a brother, Equinemius. He has another brother who has an awesome name. Who's I can't remember his name, but he has an awesome name too. His father, Equinemius St. Brown, and Amon Ra, it was a two-time Mr. Universe. Like, I'm talking about the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Lou Ferrigno, not far from that era. So this is an amazing family. He, um, my nugget is, in the last six weeks of the season, last six weeks of last season, um, the number one NFL receiver in catches in the last six weeks was Cooper Cup. 
The number two was Amon Ross St. Brown. The only person who beat him was Cooper Cup. The rest of the top five is like Mark Andrews, Devontae Adams, and maybe one other guy. But Amon Ross St. Brown came tearing down the finish line on a bad Lions team catching passes from Jared Goff. Like, he was getting eight, nine, ten a game. It was great. So naturally, a lot of people are drafting him in fantasy, as they should. So he's, he releases a screen cap of a direct message that he got. And if this sounds like an eye-roller segment or a topic, I love this. Okay. So Amon Ra, there it is. He says, wow, I'm at a loss for words. The person DM'd him and saying to, uh, to this Lions wide receiver, congrats, you have been selected to my fantasy team. With that being said, I want to set some ground rules. I'm like, where is this going? And then they continue. We will be perfect in every aspect of the game. You drop a pass, you run a mile. You miss a blocking assignment. You run a mile. You fumble the football and I will break my foot off in your John Brown hind parts. And then you will run a mile. Perfection. And, and honestly, so is that. I think whoever that person is who decided to DM Amon Ross St. Brown, who's probably their wide receiver three, the clip from Denzel and Remember the Titans is funny to me. It is appropriate. It is original. There he is delivering the speech. He's, you run a mile, you do this, you do this. And Amon Brown's like, I think he admits it was hilarious too. This person went into the DMs and look, any, a thousand times when a fan DMs a player about fantasy football, a thousand times, 999, it is, you suck, if not worse, like the death threats and all the worst stuff ever. This person said, I think I need to give my, my little wide receiver three a little pep talk. I think I'm going to let him know that he's going to run a mile. And I think it is absolutely creative, fresh, original. It makes me want to like send some messages to my fantasy team. And I also, I, I, I want to wonder this. And if anybody knows this person, not Amon Ra, the person who did this, I want to know, it, like, what did you send your first round draft pick? What did you send Cooper Cup or Jonathan Taylor? Did they get... Did they get the, the, like the any given Sunday Al Pacino speech? You know, the one about, I pissed all my money away. Uh, everyone who's loved me is gone, but one inch. Did he do that? What else did he do to his wide receiver too? Was it the, I'm trying to think of the great football speeches. I like the one McConaughey gives in any given, or not any given Sunday, in um, Days of Confused. Where he's like, you know, he's on the football field and he's high as hell. And he talks about the more rules are, the more you get older. And you just got to keep living. L-I-V-I-N. I would send that to um, Hunter Renfro. Maybe one of the lower guys. I would send that to him. There's, some of those speeches are perfect. Absolutely perfect. The, I've never seen We Are Marshall. I've never seen it. But I know McConaughey delivers a great one in that too. Uh, Billy Bob in halftime of the Friday Night Lights movie. I think maybe, speaking of Friday Night Lights, you hit your first overall pick. You hit your Derrick Henry with clear eyes, full hearts. You would understand that. I need to know if this expanded past that. That's the call out. If you could just take one movie quote or speech and direct message it to a very important fantasy football player of yours as we get ready for fantasy football week one, what would it be? And how would you send it to him? Please let us know. Tweet the show at KBBasement because I find that hilarious. But we have to move on. Um, it's time for something... There's some equally hilarious and tragic. This is the debut of our segment. It is called Family Confessional. Roll it. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Um, are you a father? Are you a mother? Uh, are you a wife, a husband, an aunt, an uncle, anything? Are you involved in some sort of fam- some kind of familial unit? I bet you are. And if you are, I bet you've really bleeped up before. I bet you've done something stupid, embarrassing that would all um, we would all find hilarious. I do it on the daily, as they say. I do it constantly. This segment, Family Confessional, is what you'd call a safe space in which you come in and you can anonymously, if you prefer, confess something that you have done in your family life that you feel like, I think I just got to get this out. It's a healing place. It's a happy place. We'll hug you. We'll give you coffee. We'll give you a donut, whatever you need. Please send us some of these. I'm going to give you one today. I'm going to give you a confession. I'm going to say this now and at the end. If you have a confession, we have a phone number. This is a real number. Call area code 252. The number is 252-4 and then Brant. B-R-A-N-D-T. 252, the number 4, and Brant, my last name, and confess. You can change your voice. You cannot give us your name, but we want to use them and react to them. Here's what I have to confess. I have so many. Like I, I already have enough uh, confessionals, uh, just absolute contraband that I've done with my wife and my kids for the entire NFL season, if not the 2023 season. But here's my confessional right now. And this is the kind of thing you just need to get out. You need to purge it. This past weekend, Saturday evening, it's early. We're having one of these great Saturdays where it's the end of summer. And I asked Brooke what we're going to do, my wife, in the middle of the day. And you know, she's, you know, let's just stay in tonight. Let's just order in. I'm like, yes. We don't have to go out for drinks with, you know, Kenny and Susan or whoever the hell. Just stay in. It's awesome. So just stay in tonight is a code for me. Like I'll start drinking at like 2.30 p.m. So we're enjoying some drinks. Brooke's got some wine. The kids, I have kids who are eight and six and they're just playing around. Now, this is part of the basement, okay? Go to the wide shot. This is part of the basement. This is the studio, all right? This is the gym. Go to the wide. There we go. They got weights down here or over here. This is like like a, a giant jail cell. It's about eight by 10. I got another part of the basement right over there. I'll come back to my spot here. Got another part of the basement that is over and behind this wall, behind that door. Got a little bar there. It's kind of new. I had it set up uh, over in the last like six months. Underneath that bar, you open up some cabinets and there's all kinds of goodiness and there's, you know, there's a refrigerator in there and there's a freezer. Now that's like my, my daddy's space. I got all my stuff. I got, you know, little stupid action figures on the shelf and I got pictures in the fridge. Okay. You got canned beverages. There's some things that I like. There's some things that my wife likes. Um, I am not, uh, uh, I guess I can just say it. I, I, I'm not personally a, a weight claw guy, but um, my wife likes them. Shock, we live in the suburbs and we're white people and we drink them. Um, so we have some of them in there. Different flavors, different that type of thing. We're sitting on the driveway. I mean, this is picturesque. I got a garden hose and I have a cocktail. Like I am right out of every like stereotype suburbs where I don't know what music was playing out the window, probably in a journey or something terrible. Brooke's sitting over there in the Adirondack chair, sipping probably her white wine, like a nice buttery shard. My eight-year-old 
comes out of the garage, garage doors open, comes out of the garage, pounding, not, not sipping. I'm talking full vertical with one of those white claws. Full vertical. Like he is, it, 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 he might as well have been shotgunning it and borrowed my key to poke a hole in. He's eight. And, Cal, and my, my wife goes, Calvin, what are you doing? He's like, I'm having a white claw. It's raspberry. It's delicious. And we're like, Calvin, 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 that has alcohol. He's like, what's alcohol? He has no idea. And I'm telling you, he, he could have sat down at that fridge and had 12 of them. I would have had to hold that kid's hair back and go get him Taco Bell. Like it's, he was pounding away and it's my fault. I guess I didn't think he would go in there, but you look at this thing. Look, it's a beautiful, slender, tall can with some nice coloring at the bottom. I think there's an image of fruit on there. He doesn't know. It looks like a cool, fun, fruity drink. And my kid's just getting into sodas now. He's into like the gateway sodas and stuff. So he just was taking this thing down. One, I'm ashamed that I let that happen. I my eight-year-old get liquor, and that's not cool. And I have to put some sort of retinal scan on it now because of what happened and the fallout from it. Two, I was kind of proud the way he was taking it down. I mean, he was taking it down like a champ. Now, I don't encourage it. I don't condone it. He'll never happen again. You should never have your eight-year-olds drink anything like that. He was going to pound town on that thing. I'm telling you, like, he 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 looked, he, he, he can handle himself. He's going to be fine when he becomes a fraternity pledge or whatever he's going to do when he's, like, you know, 10 years from now. So I'm ashamed that I let it happen, and I'm ashamed that I wasn't ashamed of it. So that is a family confessional. That's how you do it. Can you relate? Have your kids taken it down? Believe me, there are a lot more powerful things than that bar he could have gone for. But it's that can. It tastes so good, he can't even taste the alcohol. That's confessional. That's how you do it. I feel better now that I've admitted that to you guys in the privacy of my basement. If you can relate, if you can talk top that, or if you just got something totally original, that number, one more time, 252-4-BRANDT, 252-4-B-R-A-N-D-T, that felt good, I felt like I just lost 10 pounds, and ironically, I could go for a drink, coming up though, Brant awareness, you know brand awareness, we're so, we're just so razor sharp here, uh, I don't, I'm not aware of all the headlines, that's why uh, my producer needs to keep me aware of them, that's what we call it, Brant awareness, let's do it. There he is, Sam Pepper. Uh, Sam, what do you think of this, the the my eight year old story I just told? You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't have advertised that, but um, you know, I, I if you if it makes you feel better, that's really all that matters at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, and I do, um, and I think you might understand. I, I was going to say that I felt bad that he got it. I I wasn't going to say that um, I felt bad that I was proud of how he was doing. But once I start going, I can't stop. And the point of the confessional is honesty. So if I, right. I might as well empty the tank. And I, I was I was very honest, was I not? You were you were incredibly honest. And at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to encourage here at, in Kyle Brandt's basement. So I appreciate it. We are. We are. Uh, but give me some headlines. What, what am I missing? What's going on? And if you scan the fake USA Todays, what do you got? <laughs> this is what I got. All right. Leading off, Bears host the 49ers on Sunday. New Chicago yeah. head coach Matt Eberflus is game planning for Trey Lance, but really isn't sure what to expect. He said no one really knows how they're going to use him. Kyle, what are you expecting from Trey Lance? I actually find this matchup really interesting. Niners-Bears, it doesn't jump off the marquee. It's just going to be lost in the Sunday afternoon. One, the fact that we started this with a uh, quote from Matt Eberflus, who is... Uh, Look, if you're going to rank the 1 through 32 in terms of who is the least famous coach by far in the league, Eberflus is 32. Some people have the Bears as the 32nd team in the NFL right now. I don't. 
But Matt Eberflus can walk through the main street in any city in America, including Chicago, and I don't think anybody would recognize him. So it's nice to hear a quote from him. Um, I also have an upset in this game. I actually think the Bears are going to beat the Niners in this game, and I'll tell you why. Um, the energy is really strange in Chicago right now. They don't know anything of what Ibrahim is going to bring. Anytime you have a new head coach's debut, it's kind of strange. You're worried about Justin Fields. What are we doing with him? How are we protecting him? Is, like, is he just going to be a rodeo clown for another season like he was last year? And then, I don't know, they may be leaving Soldier Field, which is kind of a big deal. Like, imagine how people would feel in Boston if, like, oh, yeah, like, we're going we're gonna to leave Fenway. And we found this park that we're going to put a roof on, like, you know, 10 miles away. Like, people would be, like be walking in the streets like zombies talking to themselves. That's all going on in Chicago right now. I actually think that's going to help them. Like they, there's, there's almost a bonding together about let's get through this. And then most importantly, you got Trey Lance. Trey Lance is the most pivotal player in the NFL in the 2022 season. Pivotal. What does that mean? Wherever he, he could swing things either way. And I mean that. Um, if Trey Lance is decent, I'm going to say uh, decent. Like he is a 6 out of 10 the Niners can win the Super Bowl. They're that good. They have that many good players. They've been there so many times, and he can run on and make a few plays. Just decent. I mean, I'm talking like he throws 20 touchdowns, uh, 12 interceptions, and runs for five touchdowns. They can be Super Bowl champs. But if he's not, oh, my God. It's I, I am almost out of things to say about Trey Lance because I talk football for a living, and we've talked about him exhaustively for the last six months. Every day is Trey Day. Is Trey Lance left, Trey Lance right. I am so eager to see him actually play a football game because I have exhausted all of the research, all the takes I have, and just guessing. And that is what we are all doing. We are guessing if Trey Lance is going to be good. And by all of us, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan is making an educated guess. Woefully inexperienced coming out of college. Played a little last year. And look, I, I like the guy. He, he was not good last year. Not decent, not good at all. And now it's just, here's the keys to a Super Bowl team. Don't lose to the Bears, because if you do, we'll put in Jimmy Garoppolo. Here's the Jimmy, the Jimmy Garoppolo thing, and I, and I got to wrap this up because we have more headlines. Um, the Jimmy Garoppolo thing, Jason McCourty, my, my, my brother in the mornings on NFL Network, said this to me. He's like, it, it's not about Trey Lance throwing the four interceptions and then being like, we got to put in Garoppolo. What it's about is you're in the third quarter and you're losing 13-6 to six to the Rams and your defense is playing its ass off. And he hasn't thrown the interceptions. He just can't get anything going. And you have somebody like Greg Olson who will be in the booth and color commentary, and they start showing Jimmy on the sideline. And Greg Olson says, you know, if it was me right now, I'd be thinking about having Jimmy warm up. This team just needs a kickstart, and this is a very important game. The second that happens, oh, my God, we are, we are in just – in, we're in Mardi Gras of football stories, reaction, and everything. So – Lot to go with Lance. It's not surprising to hear what Eberflus is saying because no one knows about it. I don't know if Lance knows what Lance is capable of. I think it's sneakily the most intriguing game of week one, and I think he's the most, that word, pivotal player in the entire NFL. We get some answers finally on Sunday, Sam. For sure, for sure. All right, next up, let's talk about another second-year quarterback, Mac Jones. We've all heard the offseason storylines, Kyle. No true OC in New England. But Mac says not to worry that he's been really pleased with the progress that the offense is making. So, Kyle, when Pats fans hear this, how should they feel? Pats fans are in paralysis right now. I was talking to one of them, one of these just classic. I mean, he had a Duncan, and he's got the Red Sox hat, and he's got the Edelman jersey with the sweatshirt coming out of the back. Like, just, like, just perfect. And I, they're really – I think they have an identity crisis. It, 
it's just imagine you're in this long, 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 prosperous, amazing marriage. And then you have kids, beautiful children. You have six of them and you have this massive house and everything's so successful and you love your wife and it, it just falls apart and she's gone. And in true to form, you know, she moves down to Florida and is getting paid all this money and has found another person to be with. And this is your rebound. And, and, and I mean that as a fan, like Pat's fans have gone through a two year adjustment of, oh my God, post Brady, we still have Belichick, but I can't get used to this kid. And I, I actually sympathize with Mac Jones a lot because everyone's saying, well, they got blown out by the Bills in the playoff game. They were in a playoff game. He was a rookie. Do you know what Mac Jones did in the second half of last year? They went on a terror down the second half. All right. And so now the sky is falling and the, and the waters are muddied because, you know, Mike Giardi, who I love and respect, said the offense looked like crap in the preseason. They didn't add Devontae Adams, I guess, as a free agent, which is not what they do. I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't want to cast stones right now because I didn't pick the Patriots to make the playoffs either. I didn't. But it's not because I think the Patriots suck. It's because they only have seven spots, and the other seven teams in the AFC are like superheroes. So I actually – there's no possible way the Patriots are going to come out and be 6-11. and 11. Bell Belichick's not a 6-11 and 11 coach. There's no way. Now, will they get their doors blown off by the Dolphins this weekend? I, <laughs> I don't know. Anybody who's telling you differently about Trey Lance or Tua Tagovailoa they don't know because the answer is I have no idea if Tua is good. Neither do you. So as it pertains to the Patriots, I like that Mac is finally saying something. Mac usually doesn't say squat, but um, I, I, I'm not going to say I sympathize with Patriots fans because, good God, no one should sympathize with them. They've won 37 championships between, between the Celtics and the Red Sox and the Bruins. But get used to this life now because there are really, really good young quarterbacks, like great ones. I'm not sure you have one yet. Sunday is going to be extremely revealing about the Patriots and the Dolphins. When we collect the takes on Monday on this show, I, I expect many of them to be about the Patriots and the Dolphins because that game is a take maker. What else you got, Pepper? All right. Well, on the pre-show meeting, you tend to make a lot of demands. Yeah. Uh, you <laughs> had one. You had one where you said you really wanted to talk some Queen Latifah. So uh, we scoured mm-hmm. the internet. We got something for you. Uh, she was at Good. a premiere for her new movie, End of the Road, and she mentioned that she has a clause in her contract, guess this, that states she cannot die in her movies. She wants mm-hmm. to ensure she'll be part of potential sequels. What do you make of this move? It's brilliant. It's brilliant. The, the queens stay queens, Pepper, as they say. Queen moves only. All right. A lot to unpack on this. Um, Queen Latifah says she, is not, she cannot die in the movie, so... If you want to write a movie exclusively for Queen Latifah, and who doesn't, she can't meet her demise. Her character has to live. Um, it cracks me up because I'm, is, is Queen Latifah like a known dyer in movies? Is she like enough of this? I'm over it. I'm trying to think of Queen Latifah she movies. Died, um, she died early on in, a, in three movies almost back to back to back years and set it off Sphere, set it off Sphere and Bone Collector. All right, I remember the Bone Sorry. Collector. She was Denzel's nurse. I think the crazy guy who is also in Seven kills her. I, I got to admit, Sam, I, I try to be covered on this stuff. I have never sat through the Dustin Hoffman movie Sphere. Which I think has Sharon Stone. It's based on the Michael Crichton novel. Do tell me. You probably have. You look like a Sphere I, guy. I have. Tell me, I, how seen... does Queen Latifah die? 
I think I've seen Sphere like two or three times, actually. I, I don't really know why. Um, <laughs> Run it back! I believe, I believe she dies being stung by jellyfish that were controlled by Samuel L. Jackson's mind. I know how you feel about spoiler alert, so I know that's okay to say. I'm fine. And if I was killed by jellyfish controlled by Sam Jackson's mind, I would have it in my contract that I have to die in every movie. <laughs> I actually like that death. Um, so I, I like it because if let's say someone, she has a part like in a DC thing or a franchise thing or a young adult literature or whatever, she wants to be in all the movies. So you don't be good killing me in, in, in the first installment. I need to get paid every time. But it does bring to mind, um, not that I really remember the jellyfish death of Queen Latifah in the movie Sphere, but what are some of the best deaths? Like what are the ones that maybe would be your walk-off death or the one in which you said I should die in movies a lot, I'm good at it, or what were just the most beautiful ones? Um, the ones that came to mind for me, and you guys sent some great suggestions at KB Basement. I think first and foremost, I think Alan Rickman in Die Hard, Hans Gruber, the slow motion fall off Nakatomi Tower, which is brilliant for a lot of reasons. One, it was Alan Rickman's first movie ever. He had never been in a, a film before. Only had done theater and a little few TV things. Two, if you know the lore behind it, he was attached to a cable over a pad that was like 30 feet up and they dropped him on the pad. Well, they didn't tell him when they were going to attach the cable. The person who did it just did it without like a 3-2-1 or anything. So that look on his face as he tries to reach for Holly's watch is genuine shock and surprise. And I think that's a beautiful death. I think he followed it up really well when Costner kills him in uh, uh, the uh, Prince of Thieves, where he's a sheriff in Nottingham, stabs him right in the tummy and milks it, milks it for like, for like five minutes. And you know I'm a parent of a six-year-old because I said stabs him right in the tummy. In the tummy. Um, but more importantly, let's just get to the suggestions. Because we're talking about Queen Latifah refer refuses to die. I'm not sure if she died in bringing down the house. I think everybody who watched the movie did. But what did they bring? What did you, the people, bring when they tweeted at KB Basement with some kind of suggestions? Um, let's bring them up. So this guy says, Doug. Doug, what's my man Doug say? Guy has named Doug already has my attention. It has to be in Casino where Joe Pesci's character gets destroyed by Frank Vincent and other with baseball bats in the cornfield. Just absolutely brutal. Yet if Casino is on TV and it is near the end scene, I have to watch. It's you. You went from zero to a hundred miles an hour, Doug. There was no warm up death. First to the legs, then he throws him in with his still breathing brother, and they bury him alive. And that one's also poetic because, of course. Pesci kills Frank Vincent in Goodfellas. And let me shoot him in his big mouth. Go get your shine box. Um, so they had Frank Vincent come back in the next movie. And come. That's a great one. Uh, not easy to watch. Like, you become physically ill watching that scene. Uh, next, Rich. <laughs> what is Rich got? What does he got? Rich says, when, oh, yeah, Rich. <laughs> yeah. When Arnold drops Sully from the side of a cliff in Commando. <laughs> Gotta love when he's asked, where's Sully? And his reply is, I let him go. Classic. Rich, I love you. I love you, man. So he's got Sully on <laughs> one hand. We're just supposed to believe that Arnold can hold this. And he goes, remember when I said I would kill you last? And Sully goes, yeah, yeah, right, you did, you did. I lied. And he drops him. Oh, just a mercilessly cold-blooded murder. And then Radon Chong, of course, what happened to Sully? I let him go. That's how the sausage was made for Arnold back in the day. Stupid feet of strength, even stupider one-liner, all the way to the box office glory. Give me more. I could do this as its own show. Let's do it. It's our own Omaha podcast about best movie deaths. We'll ask Peyton. 
Roadhouse, Dalton over Jimmy. Yeah, also not subtle, Julian. Julian Solberg uh, easily could not have ripped out his trachea, but decided to go. I mean, I, I actually I have a sneaky theory that the Dalton over Jimmy throat rip right in front of his lady friend. It was the inspiration for Mortal Kombat's fatalities. I don't think it had anything to do with martial arts in the conventional sense. I don't think it had anything with video games. I think somewhere the people who made Mortal Kombat's like, man, you know what was awesome is when Dalton just ripped his throat out. Can you even do that with three fingers? Just reach into someone's skin and pull all that stuff out? I don't know if that's physically possible, but we have to put it in a video game. So Dalton and Jimmy became like Sub-Zero and Raiden. Keep them coming. Who's next? Eric. Eric, you gonna go Mel Gibson on us? Mel Gibson is William Wallace and Braveheart. Dude went out like a boss. Yeah, that one's not pleasant either. Um, look, we don't get to choose the way we die. But I, I, I think I'm going to speak for all of us when I don't want to be uh, drawn and quartered or whatever it's called by horses, have things stuck in my rectum or have my guts pulled out. I, I'm not into any of that. It's, it's like uh, is it? Frank Drebin says the naked gun. You never know how you're going to die falling on a bicycle with the seat coming off. That's how I want to die. I don't want to die like William, William Wallace, but Longshanks really had it in for him. Let's do one more. Come on. Lou. Lou. Luca Brasi or Mo Green. Eh, eh, it's fine. Godfather. Done too many times. Luca Brasi is a sonic godfather. No, no, no. Quentin Jaws was intense. He gets bitten in half. All right. Goose from Top Gun. Yeah, Goose from Top Gun breaks his neck on the canopy because he can't, Mav can't reach the ejection cables. Um... That's a tough one. And then, all right, this is the one. This is the one. JJ, he says, scene from Pulp Fiction where Travolta accidentally shoots the guy in the back seat during their conversation. You're talking about, oh, man, I shot Marvin in the face. You're talking about uh, divine intervention and Jules is all driving. He's like, wow, we just witnessed an act, an act of God. And then just keep it here. And then uh, Vincent Vega goes, what do you think about this? Do you really think that the God came down? Bam! And they, they just go to that shot on the back of the window of his brains and his skull exploding all over. Pulp Fiction had us there so seduced. That's like an hour and a half into the movie. We already seen 26 different things that blew our mind, including Zed and Maynard's basement, which this show's name was based on. And you're talking about Marvin getting his head blown up. And then there's a whole sequence of them cleaning up Marvin's skull and brain and all that stuff. That is an excellent one because it's a total shock. You don't know where it's coming from. And poor Marvin, he thought he lived the apartment scene, he survived because he was tight with jewels or something. And by the way, did, did, did Travolta accidentally shoot him? Or was he kind of resentful that that guy got to survive and decided to go bam? Seems strange that a guy who was that accustomed to with a gun would actually have it accidentally go off. I think he shot him on purpose. Guys, that was so fun. You got to tweet us whenever you want, at KB Basement. Queen Latifah, thank you for producing that segment. Uh, I'm a huge fan of yours, especially in this new uh, The Equalizer, where you're just out there pistol whipping dudes at, at an advanced age. Like, you're doing the Denzel thing, just kicking ass out there. Never seen the show, but the trailer, or the trailer of the commercials look awesome. Um, what do we have next? Darts? Is it dart time already? I don't want to end the show today. I'm having a good time. By dart time, come with me if you will. Go up, go to the sky cam. We have a dartboard over here, and it's, it's not one of these electronic ones. It's the real deal. Sharp as hell. I have a feeling someday that I'm going to have to do the family confessional segment based on something that my kids did with these darts. Hopefully it's not blinding each other. But uh, the way it is is the producers, not Queen Latifah, the conventional ones, they come up with a list of ways that they want to end the show. So these are random things that I'm going to talk about as the show wraps up. If I hit a one with the dart, 
I have to talk about the most random jersey I own. If I hit a six, favorite party game. And then we got ten more. Wherever it lands, if you're listening to the show right now, you can't see the list. But it says anything from Days of Our Lives anecdote to movie quote on the spot to best villain to worst date. Here we go. This is how we wrap up the show. Go to the wide cam. Go to the wide cam. Uh, I messed up this start. Here we go. The number for today to end this Wednesday edition of Kyle Brandt's Basement Fastball. Guess what? I think I hit the same number as I did yesterday. Didn't I hit an eight yesterday? That is an eight. Do we have the same eight or do I have a new eight? What is eight on the menu? <laughs> Yeah, I see the question right there. All right, come here. Come with me. Let's have a little talk. This is why I have to lower my voice a little bit as we say goodbye to the Ultimate Warrior and we say goodbye to Michael and Vince. I think I have to lower my voice a little bit because my kids might... Now they're in school, thank God. But my wife's upstairs and she'll be offended. Is it okay to have a favorite kid? Look, it's like asking me if it's okay to have a favorite food. Everybody has one, all right? Um, if you're a parent, I'm trying to get on the Peloton, there we go. If you're a parent, it's often the firstborn, not necessarily, and I'm not saying you don't love the other ones, and people are going to be so triggered by this and say I'm such a jerk. Again, honesty. Um, I think a lot of times your favorite kid is the one that is the most like you. If you have two kids especially, like I do, it often happens, and I see this with friend groups, that one is like mom and one is like dad, and you tend to find yourself liking that, what you think, the one that is like your spouse. My daughter is exactly like me. My son is exactly like my wife. Evelyn drives me crazy. I love her to death. Calvin, I'm not even going to put it on. I'm not even going to record it because people will be too hard. And then maybe they'll show this to Evelyn when she is at her rehearsal dinner or something. And Evelyn, I love you. I hope he's a great groom. But in the meantime, there are two kinds of answers on this. One the people who say they have a favorite kid, and two, liars. Thank you, everybody. I, if that was a hell of a topic. I didn't see that coming. Maybe you can tell by how candid I was in my answer. Um, we will be back tomorrow. We are here every day. It is Kyle Brandt's Basement, one of the sweatiest shows in all of media. We have some special guests at the end of the week. Josh and I, of course, will be back next Tuesday. I hope you'll be back tomorrow. I know I will be. It's The Basement. See you later. <laughs>